Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome to the Umrepreneur Podcast. I'm so excited to bring you an amazing guest today, Brother Abu Bakr Sharif, who is the founder of Qarib, a revolutionary platform that helps connect Muslims with events in their local area and really allows them to discover what's happening around them and how they can connect with meaningful members of their community, inshallah, and really foster this feeling of ummah and community that sometimes we're missing in the Western world. And for those of us, really not finding those spaces sometimes even within masajid. So you're solving that problem and I love the way that you're doing it, Abu Bakr. And so I want to talk to you today, ask you some questions about how you came up with this idea, what you're doing to build it, and ultimately some of the lessons learned along the way. So welcome to the podcast. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Thanks for having me, Abby. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you, brother. So I like to start my episodes by just learning a bit more about the individual and the audience as well. So I'd love to ask you, can you tell us more about what you were going through when you first came up with the idea for Qarib? Where did it stem from? Uh, yeah, so uh, how the idea of Qarib came about, I had moved to Dallas, Texas after living in the Middle East for about five years and coming back and having to pretty much uh, integrate myself with the community here after being away from for a while. And I've heard all these wonderful things about Dallas, Texas, as you might have heard, you know, people migrating here from all over uh, the U.S. and Canada and other parts of the world. Uh, but the challenge I found was I didn't know what was happening right around me, you know, even though uh, these things were taking place. Um, so normally how I find my community wherever I go is through basketball. I play basketball. And I usually find good, good group of brothers to to connect with through basketball. I couldn't find that either. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did then was uh, I started talking to other people in the local masjid. And they told me, yeah, there are lots of things going on. Uh, but you have to join this WhatsApp group or download this uh, Telegram. Yep. So I thought to myself, there, there has to be a, a better way uh, to find out things with as an outsider, especially. And that's how the idea uh, kind of evolved. And really what pushed me to it, uh, funny enough, there was a uh, an, uh, an entrepreneur, a Muslim entrepreneur event taking place in Dallas. Uh, and I had heard about it through word of mouth. And I was very excited. And, you know, the gentleman who, uh, who told me about it never got back to me. And so pretty much I didn't have the information in time. And I ended up missing that event. Later to find out that, you know, I saw a newspaper ad of the event in the local message. And it just blew me away that I discovered that event that way. So I was like, no, we have to use technology to kind of promote our events. Mm -hmm. So you're essentially trying to bring, you know, uh, the Muslim community, the message, the organizations into the modern age and be like, all right, there has to be a better way of communicating. And of course, that makes total sense. My question to you is, Tell me a bit about yourself before we dive deeper into the idea. What were you doing at the time and uh, what do you currently do right now? So do you have, are you currently working? Are you a student? What's your background? Yeah, so my background, uh, thanks for asking. My background is in uh, learning technology. So I've been designing uh, learning training programs over the last decade, as well as implementing software uh, EHR systems. Uh, it's, a, it's called electronic health record. So I'm doing that. That's what I was doing in the Middle East, uh, working with hospitals and pretty much implementing software solutions. So I've done that for a while. And currently, um, my focus is, uh, has been Qarib. Uh, my background is in consulting. So I navigated and now focus on Qarib. 
Amazing. So you already have a background where you were helping organizations essentially kind of modernize with the use of technology, it sounds like. Precisely. My actual first stint with uh when i was living in qatar at the time uh, i was i was designing learning pro programs for um hospitals and the idea came to me then to kind of you know venture out and see if i can get clients on my own so back in 2014 um a, a colleague of mine we both started uh, an e-learning company and we uh pretty much were going around to the different hospitals and, and small organizations to say hey we have this company, uh, it's an e-learning company and we can customize learning solutions. So that's that's really where I got my first experience with building a, a startup from scratch. Um, we were a bit too early because it was 2014, fast forward to 2020 pandemic. Now the online industry has, uh, has boomed now. So, uh, but that experience has led over to what I'm doing now with, with Karib and trying to do another startup again. Mm -hmm. So how long have you been working on Karib right now? So I've been working on Farid now for about two and a half, three years. Amazing. Um, initially, when I started, I um, when I had discovered the problem, I had no idea what I wanted to build. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, okay, I have this idea. Okay, what do I build? Um, and, that, and and I guess that was a good thing. Uh, normally, you know, you you hear of stories where you know people are building a solution or a product without the demand but the good thing here that this there was a demand i just had to figure out a solution um so one of the very first things i did to kind of validate what i was doing was create a just a, a unified calendar app for the entire city of dallas um, but it was a very manual approach i would sign up to different newsletters in in, in the community and have users send me their events but as i would look load these events onto this calendar, I, I noticed that this was a very uh, laborious process. So if anything needed to get changed, I would have to then go in and do it. Mm -hmm. But it kind of validated it because people were interested in having their events promoted. They just didn't know any other alternative other than what they were doing, whether it's through word of mouth, uh, spamming WhatsApp groups and, you know, other other things. So from there on, I started to continue to learn and discover how I can build a more robust uh, solution to where now the user is in control. You know, mm -hmm. I build the technology, I build a platform uh, and the user creates their own events. They manage their own events. They tag it to the appropriate category. And now it's discoverable to anyone with access to that website. And that's what we did earlier in March where we launched a kind of version zero MVP product to kind of validate that. And alhamdulillah, we got a ton of feedback where it resonated with a lot of people. Now, where we are today is we've taken the feedback, made version one, which is going to be released very soon here, more aesthetic, more user-friendly, uh, and you know more features where users can ticket events, they can process it. And essentially, it, it functions and acts like an Eventbrite, but it's for Muslims. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. Have, have you actually launched this to the larger community you mentioned you're about to launch a v1 so that you have a like like if someone wanted to go right now and build an event on this platform or create an event and, and get people to attend are they able to do so or not yet yeah so how we're doing it uh great question how we're doing it now we're launching by select cities in okay. the us and uh, canada 
but we're starting with with Dallas and Houston, smaller cities can use us to test it out. Mm-hmm. And as we test it out, get more feedback and we, we will eventually launch to the wider um, community in the mm-hmm. U.S. and even outside the, mm-hmm. the U.S. where we're, we're getting lots of demand for, for or, or interest in the product. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. You're, it sounds like you're still in the development stages in the early stages, but I think this is a really beneficial conversation to have because a lot of people that listen to this podcast are also working to build their own businesses and, and in these initial stages as well. And you're building, of course, what sounds like a SaaS platform, right? So your software as a service, you're, you're providing the software platform as some type of service for your customers. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're, when you're building um, a platform like this, there are, of course, a few things to keep in mind in terms of how you can go about it in a way that is still lean because you're a startup, right? And you don't want to essentially have your business require too many resources, uh, too much capital at, at, at first when you're still building things out. So how is your approach? Can you tell us more about your approach for kind of the high level bird's eye view, how you went through those initial stages from idea to conceptualization to ultimately building out the platform and getting to this V1 stage? Mm, great question. You know, initially when I when I began, I thought I needed to raise thousands of dollars and, and build this app and, you know, without even spending time discovering the problem space or speaking to the users, you know, that's just was my thinking. Um, and fortunately, um, it didn't work out that way because <laughs> I would have wasted a lot of money, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the approach that I took was really talking to users in the community who, you know, share the same frustrations or experience I had, you know, and lo and behold, a lot of people I talked to in my local community in different parts of the world. And as I traveled, they, they all had a problem with discoverability and, and the current approach. So I, I pretty much just was documenting my learnings as in the interviews that I was having with people and documenting that and just following the playbook of the typical startup. So I started learning about how, you know, YCs build companies. I, I went through this, the startup school that they offered last summer. Mm-hmm. So just did the entire playbook of, you know, just building the minimum viable product to validate your assumption mm-hmm. before going and, you know, building out this crazy solution. Mm-hmm. And it's helped me a lot to get to the point where we are today, where we're still taking that approach where we have an entire product roadmap already, but we're continuously iterating and releasing um, until we get to where we need to be. Mm-hmm. So how, how did you go about in terms of resources and managing that? I mean, were you the person doing all the coding and development? No. So that was one of the biggest challenges that I had, actually, because I, although I do come from a technology background, I'm not a coder myself. So I, I, I try to do that, you know, because I'm pretty much bootstrapping. So I tried to use these no code tools that was available and some of it worked and some of it didn't. And I eventually had to, you know, outsource it to a development team offshore. Mm-hmm. And, and you know how that could be a challenge sometimes finding the right person to, yeah. to kind of just bring the ball on. But alhamdulillah, you know, we found a, a good group of uh, developers to pretty mm-hmm. much work with us. And we are now on our way to releasing version one, which I'm very excited about. Okay. So did you, how did you do, how did you go about uh, gathering the financing for this? Or you mentioned bootstrapping. So I'm guessing you're paying for this out of your own pocket at yeah, this point. Yes. 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 So pretty much I've, I've been covering the cost of, of everything up until now. How does that feel? 
tough, but alhamdulillah, you know, <laughs> you know, because, uh, you know, I'm trying to really get some traction before, you know, going the investment route, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just uh, building what I can, because I know the process and I know, you know, alhamdulillah, things worked out the way they did, because essentially I thought I needed thousands of dollars, but I don't, you know, especially with a lot of tools and resources that are available. Uh, what I my goal is to to really bring version one to the market, get some traction, get some users, get the community to realize the value of this product. And as as we grow and and and, and try to look for product market fit and scale, you know, naturally, you know, we would explore, you know, going that route to you know to to push our vision to realization. How would you monetize a platform like this? Would you essentially maybe give them the option to pay to promote it to users? Yeah, so there's several ways we're looking to to monetize the platform, and you know, one of the ways is through ticketing. You know, if users are ticket, uh, you know, right. having tickets for the event, we definitely would, uh, you know, charge a small percentage for that. Uh, one of the other ways as well is through uh, sponsored content or sponsored events. You know, you're having a big event and you're inviting a big name or whoever it is, and you want it to be featured on the, the homepage or the hero section of, of Karib. That's another way we are looking to platform, I mean, monetize. And as a SaaS product, once we get to that stage where we have a mobile um, application, we, we would monetize based off of premium features where that would give access to users for, you know, certain analytics or, mm. or premium features that we're, we will have in a platform. Right. That makes sense. So, and you've been working on this for a year and a half, two years, you mentioned? Yeah, two and a half years. Two and a half years, mashallah. So two and a half yeah. years, you're bootstrapping yourself. You put your own money in to build this platform. And you're not at the point yet where you've actually monetized and been able to see an ROI. You know, it's interesting for me to highlight this because a lot of people get in business and their expectation is like, I need to make money within the first like three months, usually even shorter. Um, and, and then when they don't, they get really frustrated and, and, they, and they just quit. And, and you've been at it for two and a half years, mashallah, um, really maintaining a long-term vision and focus. And that's not something that I actually come across a lot um, in the world of entrepreneurship. A lot of people are short-term focused. So I'd like to touch upon that with you. Where does that stem from, in your opinion? And also, like, how do you keep going when you see your bank account getting lower, but you're not seeing anything coming in in the business? Uh, wow, you know, where does it come from? You know, I think just my upbringing are uh, really coming, uh, you know, uh, coming from a background of humble beginnings, you know, um, parents immigrated here to this country, you know, uh, just doing the best they could to, to, to provide for us and watching my, my father, you know, do multiple businesses or have hustles. You know, my father, mashallah, he's, he's an imam. He's established a community here and it's been running for the last 25 years. So just being in, in, in having that firsthand exposure of DAWA, community service, community development is kind of just what continues to drive me and push me. And I know that this would essentially benefit Muslims. You know, that's really what keeps me going, right? How it would benefit other people in terms of you know, it's, it's, it's more than just discovering events. It's 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 connecting the community and it's and aligns with, and that's why I love what, what you're doing. You know, because it's it's just all about building a community, fostering relationships, and, and getting to know one another. And I mm-hmm. think that you know I can achieve that 
with with Qareeb and through users connecting through events. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's interesting because when I first saw it, like what I thought was meetup.com for Muslims. And, and I think it's a very simple idea and it's simple to understand. And, and it's also extremely clever because like, I'll be honest, I live in Montreal, uh, Canada. I'm not, I, for, I forgot to ask you where you're based. Well, I guess you're based in Dallas because that's where you guys are starting. Yeah, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, so I'm based in Montreal, Canada. And, you know, around here we have a, man, I'm not going to say 100 mosques, but we have, I, th- I think we definitely have at least close to 50 uh, mosques in, in the city. And every single one has its own kind of like micro community, right? Mm-hmm. And and for someone like myself, I mean, I go to the mosque beside my house, but there might be another mosque doing some doing an amazing event or or, or something really interesting that I'd want to attend. Like for example, recently I actually went up to the imam in my mosques, and I'm like, like, are there any halakas for adults? You know, and he's like, well, not really. And I'm like, really? Ah, oh, that's kind of disappointing. But it would be cool. But then I'm like, okay, where do I go? And am I going to now drive to every mosque to find out which one has halakas for adults? So it's. I do feel like it is a real problem uh, for some, for someone like me who, who, um, who grew up in, in a city that is, you know, in the Western world and that is surrounded by mosques, but no real kind of like integration between any of them. Uh, it's really hard for me to stay in touch with the community here and also to kind of really understand what's happening around me and what can I take part in to help stay connected to Islam, keep my Iman increasing, you know, be surrounded by other br- Muslim brothers and sisters and it really is truly an amazing, amazing thing that you're doing, mashallah. My only question is, can we get, can we actually get mosques to adopt this? Because they, they are very slow to do anything technology related. Your app might end up being used by a completely different demographic. And I'm curious if you have thought of that, if you've spoken to any organizations, um, and also if you've even thought of alternate target audiences that could benefit from this platform. Maybe someone's listening to this that could use your platform. Mm-hmm. No, that's a really good point. And in the beginning of this process, first of all, I, I, I empathize with what you're saying. You know, that's that's a real big problem, especially in the West, mm-hmm. just that connectivity and just wanting to get involved locally mm-hmm. or how you can, you know, perhaps you want to volunteer your time sometimes to, to you know, uh, a charity or, yeah. or an activity, but you, you just don't know how to get plugged in. Um, but getting mosques involved is a challenge because typically it's just very, uh, you know, how they are. They're very bureaucratic or how they they operate. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the strategy that I'm using is really smaller organizations outside of massages, like community spaces. And there are a few mosques that, that see the value and are interested. But I think once we start working closely with these uh, small users that we are working with that are associated with the mosques, um, they'll then see the value and, and, and definitely jump on board because mm-hmm. they have a need for it, even though they don't realize it. Mm-hmm. Would you be open to, or have you ever considered also having having uh, the option of hosting online events? Because I would love to, for example, say, well, you know, Omerpreneur is hosting this like online workshop for Muslims, for example. Yeah, so the, the, the unique thing about it is it's not just for physical events. So how it's set up is for online mm-hmm. or physical events. So when mm-hmm. you go into a Karib, you go to create an event. In the create event dialogue, you add an event detail. You select whether it's in person or if it's virtual. And if it's virtual, you add a Zoom link or online link, and then you can share that. So it has that capability mm-hmm. uh, built in, been built into it. 
Right. So what was, let me ask you this, at this stage that you're at, uh, are you still solo working on this or do you have any type of partner or team that's working on this with you? Yeah. So I have a small, I, I have a small team of, of, of designers and developers that are kind of on a freelance basis. Um, and I'm, I have, I recently bought on a, an, an advisor who, who has a lot of experience with this. And once we launch version one, I think we'll be looking to bring in, um, a technical person to kind of just take over the technical side of things. And now I can just dedicate and focus my time to the front facing and, and business development activities. Right. But trying to, trying to do it all is very challenging. So I, uh, definitely, um, needed to build a small team mainly technical yeah no definitely that makes sense man and i, and I can imagine because yeah. that's the reason why i was asking, as, asking this question i feel like do, doing something solo for two years and a half um is definitely difficult right like there's even just kind of being in your own head uh it's not easy to do so my my question to you is you've built a team alhamdulillah do you have any advice for entrepreneurs when it comes to team building is there anything that you've learned throughout this process that you know, looking back, if you knew would have helped make it easier for you to find the right people and, and build the right culture and team. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very tough. You know, you just have to work with folks that share the similar values and, and, and have the same vision, same work ethic, uh, good character, trustworthy, you know, it's, it's really the, the soft stuff, you know, sometimes, you know, you can have the skills, but you know, as an individual, you know, that's, that's kind of what I've, I look a lot for, you know, how are you committed to, you know, uh, your work and, and, you know, what do people say about you? So trying to understand your, your philosophy, your approach to life, your values helps me understand you, who you are, and if we could align and work together. Mm-hmm. And it's all about like, you know, building that culture, right? For sure. So uh, in terms of your user acquisition strategy, how do you plan to go about that part of the business? So how we plan to acquire users, we have a small group of users now ready to use the platform. You know, it's about, you know, a thousand people ready to use the platform. And I think once we um, open it up to other people, word of mouth and a few, you know, marketing tactics, but nothing too, you know, uh, exhaustive, but really word of mouth is what we're trying to do in the beginning before we have invest too heavy in the marketing side. And I think, uh, with the networks that we have, alhamdulillah, and, and where we're positioned, um, we, we can do that relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I'm, I'm really excited to see the launch of this platform and kind of see where it goes and, and what you're able to do with it. Um, no, if I was to add, yeah, I'm really, really excited, honestly. And, and let me know when you do release it because we'll we'll spread the word about it in our community as well, in the Umar community, inshallah. But uh, inshallah. in terms of, if I were to kind of, you know, wrap up this conversation with a question that's all-encompassing, can you tell me about what the greatest lesson is that you've learned so far from from these past two and a half years of entrepreneurship that you can maybe share with us? If someone came up to you and said, I want to become an entrepreneur, can you give me like one golden nugget um, that I can use on my journey? Yeah, you know, I would say just just keep going. You know, you hear mm-hmm. this, it becomes a cliche, but really i've I've had to continue to keep pushing myself mm. to to get to where I am today because you know it it gets challenging, whether it's being in your own head or you know wondering if it's gonna work or resonate with people uh just 
keep pushing yourself and keep getting stuff done. Um, I think nowadays we have enough resources out there, enough information to where you don't have to just think so deeply that you actually don't do anything at all. Like, mm -hmm. so just as you think, do as you think, do and keep pushing yourself and, and just don't give up, mm. you know, uh, that's, that's really it. You such, know, just perseverance. Yeah. Such a simple, simple piece of advice, but so important. And something that even resonates with me, you know, even, even on this point and entrepreneur and all the businesses that I build, there are times where I'm like burnt out and exhausted. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Um, because yeah. the business, a business does take a lot out of you. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of like mental energy. Um, yeah. subhanAllah. So hearing this also, like it's good for me because it's always an important reminder. But one thing I can definitely share from personal experience as well, uh, on this topic is I think the biggest thing that is important to remember when uh, we're approaching a business is how can we set up our workflow in a way where we can be consistent long-term. Like I've fallen into the trap where I've overworked myself multiple times. And every time I do that, I end up burning out. Um, and I think if you can set, find like a pace where you can remain consistent, um, and you can keep going long-term, that is really going to be the key to success. And, and, and it's, it falls in line exactly with what you mentioned. Um, mm -hmm. because I think a big trap people do is they get overexcited. Um, you know, the beginning of the business is always fun. Like coming up with the idea, I think the early stages of a business are always the most exciting. You're coming up with the idea, you're finding the team, you're thinking about if it's going to work. Then the actual day-to-day -day application, that's where it starts to get, um, a little bit more difficult, exactly. maybe a little bit more challenging, maybe a little bit more boring as well. And it's like, are exactly. you going to keep going when it gets to that phase? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why, that's when it becomes important to realize you know, where your intention is, why are you even doing this? Because that's what's going to continue to motivate you uh, mm -hmm. in the long term. And the reality is you will have these emotional roller coasters of being burnt out, but it's important that, you know, you take the time out, you reset, and, and, and you, you go back to the drawing board sometimes if, if you need to. Uh, but really just checking yourself helps out. Mm -hmm, definitely. Is there a question no. that I didn't ask you, uh, Abu Bakr, about... Uh, or entrepreneurship in general that you feel like I should have that you wanted to share with the audience? I think you, you asked uh, some really uh, amazing questions. Uh, and just just to touch upon the advice and tips, uh, alhamdulillah, you know, having people in my network um, who've done similar things, you know, yes, you know, the resources are, are available. You can read up on things online, but also I would add surrounding yourself with other visionaries and entrepreneurs who think like you. Sometimes you might have conversations with your friends who, who might not, you know, think uh, in, in an entrepreneurial form or not see your vision. And so if you're having these conversations and you're not getting the feedback, it might discourage you and you might stop doing what you're doing. So surrounding yourself with people who are headed in the same direction. And we hear this stuff all the time you know it's it, it almost it's funny that you know you say these things but and they sound cliche but it's it's true you know you just have to surround yourself with with like-minded folks mm -hmm. definitely 100 percent, brother i completely agree your network is your net worth as they say um and it's important to have that supportive system especially in times where you know the going gets tough that's where you can go and lean on that support system to help you have that energy and that force to to push through inshallah 
Uh, Abu Bakr, Jazakallah yeah. khair for joining me on this podcast, brother. How can people go and, and, and enjoy Qareeb? What's the ETA for being able to sign up to the platform, inshallah? So the ETA is about two weeks, inshallah. They can Amazing. go to Qareeb.com, Q-A-R-I-Y-B.com and sign up for our, our uh, updates. And they can follow us on our Instagram page at Q-A-R-I-Y-B. And, you know, stay tuned for, for updates on, on, on the launch. It's amazing, inshallah. We'll make sure to share those links in the episode notes and in the description. Abu Bakr, jazakallah khair for joining me, brother. I really enjoyed this conversation. And I'm looking forward to the launch of Qariba. I can't wait to see what it's going to be like. And I'm looking forward to using it myself and hopefully discovering some local events. So I'm excited for you guys to roll out in Montreal and hopefully other parts of the world soon, inshallah. Definitely. Definitely. Jazakallah khair. And thank you so much for having me, Abu. It was a pleasure. Pleasure is all mine, brother. Thank you.